You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I've just been looking back over some of our podcast episodes and and realized that like in many of the conversations I have with my clients I've been accentuating I was going to say the negative how the normal mind works and indeed how the normal mind works is is pretty negative as you will have gathered from last week's episode where we talked about how using our normal mind granted on automatic pilot but nevertheless using our automatic mind we create a version of reality that really bears no resemblance to what is actually going on. For the simple reason, for starters, we use our own emotional state and the thoughts that we learned during our childhood to filter what is actually going on and, and as I say, and as we said last week, create our own version of reality. Now, obviously, straight off, your version of reality is not the same as mine. It couldn't be. First of all, I'm sitting here in the Alps, freezing various parts of my anatomy off, albeit we have a log fire, but it's very, very cold outside. But you're sitting or driving or listening, wherever you're listening, you have your own set of circumstances. We all have our own set of circumstances. And yet, and yet, in the moment in which we find ourselves, there is something going on that approximates to real reality. We take it, we warp it through our own thoughts, then we warp it again by reacting to what we think is going on, and then we warp it further because our reaction is actually based on how we feel about ourselves, and that's always a glass half empty feeling. We've talked about that before. The key thing that we learned from last week's episode is that you create your own version of reality. And there is a process, cognitive appraisal, through which we go to actually do that. In the normal course of everyday life, because 96% of people haven't a clue what they want out of life, and almost 100% of people are only 1% present, I'm quoting research there, by the way, from Harvard, firstly, and the universities of Chicago and Milan, secondly. On the basis of, of the evidence before our very eyes, people are creating lies for themselves that they actually don't want. This is why, for example, and these are surveys rather than research, but surveys show that three quarters of people don't like the job they're doing. Many, many people don't like the lives that they have. An awful lot of people don't like themselves. And yet, all this is down to the thoughts that are automatically rattling through your head every day, which, when you do nothing about it, creates this ongoing it's almost like an ongoing nightmare. And, you know, you might say to yourself, well, hold on, that's an overstatement. You should see some of the emails I get from people who are not clients, people who come to me through Facebook or the Facebook group, for example, or people who respond to what I'm saying in this podcast here. Most people are living a recurring nightmare, and it's a recurring nightmare of their own creation. So here's a question for you. 
And it's kind of an obvious question that I'm about to pose, but it is a question that you need to reflect upon. If our lives are created by ourselves using this process of cognitive appraisal, why could we not create lives that we actually want? Why could we not create a reality that we'd love to have, seeing as how we actually create our own reality? Now, the answer is there is no good reason why we cannot create the life that we would love to live. If you refer back to last week's episode, and if you haven't heard it, by the way, I would highly recommend that you do listen to it. But if you recollect last week's episode, you will find that the creative process, the creative act that we go through moment to moment, day to day, is driven automatically in a way that mitigates against us having a ball. Because we're not designed to have a ball, we're designed to survive. We're not designed to have fun, we're designed to make it through the day. We're not designed to achieve our grander goals, or as somebody said to me in an email a few days ago, why are you talking about self-actualization when I can't put bread on the table? We're designed to put the bread on the table, and that's all. And yet, think about it like this. In 1932, the psychologist Bartlett said that we perceive what we expect to perceive, and by definition, therefore, achieve what we expect to achieve. If we changed our own expectations, everything else would change. Now, the big, big stumbling block that most people trip over and again, I refer back to all the emails and comments that I get on, on Facebook, for example. The big stumbling block that most people trip themselves up with, and they're tripping themselves up, it's not a real stumbling block, is that they think they have to go back and figure out why they have these low expectations of themselves. They think they need to, to go back to the source, so to speak, of the psychological snapshots that they took for themselves when they were two, three, four, five, six years old, all the way up to 12. The formative ones, the key ones, are taken in the third year of our lives. And most people think that they have to go back and figure out, why am I the way I am? Who did what to me? Who made me feel this way about myself? They think that they have to go back and know so that they can undo it. They think that they need to be able to figure out the root cause of why they think that they're shy or that they're ugly or that they're stupid or this, that or the other. You don't have to go back to the root cause. You have to come to the here and now. You have to come to the reality of what is going on today. Because the stuff that happened decades ago when you were young and impressionable has nothing to do with the reality of the here and now, has nothing to do with your life in the here and now, should you so choose. Now, there's an important word I've used, choose. Moment to moment, day to day, we are making choices. I choose to be present. I choose to know what's going on. I choose to act in the face of understanding what's going on. 
I choose to do the right thing and do it to the best of my ability. All those choices that I've just mentioned are abnormal choices. They are unusual choices. 99% of people can't make those choices for the simple reason that if you don't turn up to the here and now, you don't know what's going on. You think you know what's going on. You react to what is going on. And so the wheel keeps turning on that loop that we've talked about many times at this stage. The choices that we make day to day are, until we do something about it, made for us automatically by our autopilot. Made for us automatically in the same way that we've always made those choices. And then, you know, people say to me, oh, why can I not change? Why is my life not different? Why can I not achieve the goals that I want to achieve? And the answer is very simple, because you keep doing the same thing. And you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. You have to do something different. So the first point I want to make today is that the something different that you have to do is not go back and try to figure out why you think you're this way, that way, or the other way. And, and the key point is you only think you're shy or you're stupid or you're good at this or you're bad at that. They're not facts. They are based on thought programs that were programmed into you when you were young and impressionable. So if they're not real now, what is the point in going backwards to a time when they probably weren't real then either? You know, I've one particular client who was scared stiff for years of standing up in front of people to make a presentation or a speech because a couple of uncles had stood up when he was singing his little party piece when he was three years old. They fell around the place laughing. They weren't laughing at him. They were laughing at a joke between themselves. So even then, it wasn't real. Why would you go back and attempt to visit a place that isn't real? It's certainly not real here now, and it certainly has no relevance here and now, assuming you make the choice to turn up to the here and now. So the first point is, you don't need to go backwards. You don't need to go back and revisit the past, which is a foreign land. Let's take a detour for a moment because as you listen to this, you might be like most people who listen to what I say or watch my videos or, or read my articles and say, well, I do need to go back, or if for no other reason, I'd be interested to know why I am this way. The point is that you cannot remember anything that you learned by way of formative learning before the age of three. There is a psychological barrier. It is a barrier known in cognitive and developmental psychology as childhood amnesia. The fundamental things we learned about ourselves, for better or for worse, for wrong or right, the fundamental things we learned about ourselves, particularly during the third year of our lives, need to be locked away safely so that other people cannot get at them, so that other people can't get inside the vault of our own thought programs and mess with them. And all those other people that can't get in there include ourselves. If we got in there, or if we could get in there, we could disassemble ourselves and never manage to put ourselves back together again. 
think about that for a moment because bear in mind, and it goes all the way back to the very first episode in this podcast series, we're designed to survive. If you dismantled yourself and were in the process of putting yourself back together again when you came into harm's way, you'd be dead. So there are very important psychological defensive mechanisms that are there to ensure that you can't go backwards beyond the third year of your life. I know this for a fact because I was actually involved in some of the research in the University of Sussex a number of years ago. So not only is there no need to go back and try to figure out why you are the way you think you are, the probability is that you won't be able to figure it out anyway. A fool's errand is the easiest way to describe that. So at the risk of repeating myself, the first point is really simple. You need to not go backwards. Forget it. Now, I know what you're thinking. People will say to me, well, I can't forget it because it is who I think I am. An awful lot of people will phrase that differently, by the way. They will say, I I, I can't forget it. It is who I am. And that statement is not true. The former one is. It is who I think I am conceptual self that we've mentioned in other episodes. You can't forget it in the way in which the normal mind will assimilate what I just said. In other words, oh, forget it. You can't forget it in that way. You have to develop your ability to stop paying attention to those thoughts. The thoughts, like the poor, will always be with us. It's your own baggage and you're stuck with it. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to keep dragging it around with you or do you want to leave it in a locker somewhere? Do you want to leave it in the corner sitting by itself, in the bold corner, on the bold step where it deserves to be? The choice you have to make now is to decide whether you want to continue to wallow in that baggage, to be weighed down by that baggage, to be distanced from the reality of the here and now by that baggage, to be constantly disappointed in yourself as a result of being weighed down by that baggage, or do you want to drop the baggage? The baggage is very easily dropped. Oh, so simply dropped. We drop the baggage by starving it of attention. It's awfully simple. We starve our baggage of the attention that it needs to rule our lives. We deprive it of the oxygen it needs to give itself some form of weird and wonderful life that impinges on our lives. We starve our baggage by paying attention to the reality of the here and now. And you know, that is why it is so important that we develop and constantly develop our ability to pay attention to the here and now. The here and now, where you and I are now, is the only place that is actually real. If we look at this from the perspective of quantum physics, that says that the superstrings of energy that make up you and me or that make up everything in this universe, vibrate in and out of existence 20,000 times a second. If you look at things from that perspective, this now is different from the now that I started this sentence in. And just now is the only time that's actually real. Real to me, real to you, 
real even from a universal perspective. Now, we won't get into the universe here today for the simple reason that it will take us away into an area which is of vital importance to understanding how the world works, our part in it, and the way in which we can create the reality that we would really love. But let's take baby steps before we attempt to take giant leaps that are so far ahead of where the normal mind normally is that they actually sound crazy. Indeed, an awful lot of electrical engineers and chemists uh, and all kinds of scientists, clients of mine, are in awe, jaws dropping to the floor when we actually get in to the whole area of quantum physics and how the world really works. But let, as, as I said, let's take this in baby steps. We're talking about baby steps in this episode. The first baby step is you don't go backwards. So that baby step is a not. But let's talk about it in the positive sense. The key baby step you need to take is develop your ability to pay attention to the here and now, therein starving your baggage of the oxygen it needs to rule and ruin your life. This is done awfully simply. You'll have heard me talk about this already. We've talked meditation and mindfulness. Meditation is a tool that is used in the practice of mindfulness, and the practice of mindfulness is practiced, so to speak, to enable you to be mindful during the course of the day. Meditation is the one and only scientifically validated way we have at this point at the end of the second decade of the 21st century, the only scientifically validated way you and I have of turning up to the here and now and developing our ability to do so again and again and again, moment to moment to moment. It is the only scientifically validated way you and I have of turning on what cognitive psychology calls our attentional spotlight. In other words, actually paying attention to the here and now. It is the only scientifically validated way that you and I have of disengaging the autopilot, the autopilot which is running on the baggage that you are carrying around with you. Meditation is the only scientific way that you and I have, proven way, to turn up to your own life in the here and now. When you turn up to the here and now, everything changes. Absolutely everything. The first thing that changes is that you know what's going on. You actually know what's going on. Instead of filtering what's going on through outdated, looped thought programs. You've dropped your baggage. You're suddenly free to actually understand what's going on. But that, my friends, is only the beginning. Because the key step in turning up to the here and now is that not only do you know what's going on, you know what you have to do in the here and now to move you in the direction you would like your life to go. And you can do it free of your own baggage. 
I was going to I was going to use one of my favourite words, but let's not run before we can walk. The word I was about to use was effortlessly, but we'll come back to that another time because that's a scientifically validated state of being as well. State of being, state of doing, state of achieving. It's what the University of Chicago has called flow for the last 30 or 40 years at this stage. When I turn up to the here and now, when I pay attention to the here and now, I can't pay attention to my thoughts anymore. The really interesting thing about that is that with practice, science, neuroscience, has confirmed that over a period of just weeks with regular practice, not only will you not be able to pay attention to those thoughts that hold you back, the thoughts that hold you back will be precluded from coming into your conscious awareness at all. We'll come back to that in a later episode. It is one of the most startling and amazing and wonderful discoveries of neuroscience in just the last 18 months. So you're free of the thoughts that blind you to what's going on. You are free of the thoughts that would normally on autopilot create a reaction and make what's going on worse. You are free of the thoughts that say to you, the little noise in your head, the little voice in your head, say, oh, you couldn't do this, or you're not brave enough or courageous enough to do that, or no, that'd take you too far outside your comfort zone, or no, that's not the kind of person you are. You're free of all those self-limiting, inhibiting beliefs by virtue of the fact that those thoughts are now starved of your attention because you're paying attention to the here and now. The more you pay attention to the here and now, the more you develop your ability to simply, wait for this, do just what you need to do to get to where you want to go. And forget the rest. You know, I talk to clients, I talk to a lot of people who are not clients as well, as you might have gathered, and I constantly hear how people waste time doing things they shouldn't be doing at all. Actually, you know, I, I have a little exercise for you that you might do after you've listened to this podcast. Get a sheet of paper and write down things you know for a fact you definitely shouldn't be doing. This reminds me actually of my posing that question to a, a, a group of people in an organization, a leadership team in an organization. It's about 15 years ago at this stage. And I said to them, what are the things that you definitely shouldn't be doing? And one of them said, gossiping. And another person in the room said, but you're without gossip, what would we have to talk about? We waste an awful lot of our lives doing things that we know for a fact get us nowhere. It's actually often worse than that. We often do things that we know are actually taking us backwards. We wallow, for example, in what passes for news these days. One person's fake news is another person's real news and vice versa. And the truth of the matter is that most news isn't news at all. It's someone's opinion or worse, a made up conspiracy theory. There is stuff we simply shouldn't be doing at all. When you make this list, you'll probably find as well that the word worry appears on the list. 
But to be quite honest, you're not going to have to worry about not worrying. Because worrying comes from thought. And worrying comes from the repetitive thought that goes through our heads every day. And if you're not paying those thoughts attention, you're not going to worry. So you can cross worry off the list straight away. In the same ways you can cross things like anxiety and fear off the list straight away. Just before I started recording this particular episode, I got an email from somebody who said that what was holding her back, even setting goals, was fear. She actually said in the email that it was fear of failure. I would suggest, like a lot of people with whom I work, that she's actually afraid of success. I know it's weird, but an awful lot of people are afraid that if they were successful, the people that they hang out with wouldn't hang out with them anymore. All thought-fueled, all rubbish, as a result of the way in which we use our minds normally, weighed down by our baggage, hanging out with other people who are weighed down by their baggage too, but we're all weighed down together, so let's hang out together and let's all convince each other that life is not so bad. Well, not so bad, my friends, is not good enough. What you need to do is develop your ability to turn up to the here and now. So, there are a couple of key things, key takeaways, other than the exercise. There are a couple of key takeaways from this episode. Number one, you don't need to try to figure out what has you the way you think you are. Number two, you need to ensure that you develop your ability to pay attention to the here and now. Everything flows from that. Because the more and more you pay attention to the here and now, the more the things on the list that I've asked you to put together, they'll simply go away. Because the more you pay attention to the here and now, as I said earlier on, it's a phrase I use very often, it's a phrase I will use again and again and again as we go through these podcast episodes, the more you turn up to the here and now, the more you know just what you need to do, and the more you actually do just what you need to do to the best of your ability to move your life in the direction that you would love it to go. I've used that phrase a couple of times too, and that begs an enormous question, which I'm going to leave hanging here at the end of today's episode. What kind of life do you really, really want? What kind of experiences would you love to have? What kind of nows would you love to live? Or as I ask my clients, what perfect moments would you like to experience in your life? That's, I was going to say another conversation. That's not another conversation. That's a number of other conversations. Some people I've been having conversations with them for over a decade at this stage. And gradually they're figuring out the kind of life that they would love to have. Do you know how they're figuring it out? Every time they clear their mind through meditation, their mind becomes clearer. And the clearer your mind becomes, the clearer your understanding of the kind of life you would love to have. So not only does meditation enable you to turn up to the reality of the here and now, it begins to enable you to develop an understanding, from the inside out by the way, an understanding of the kind of nows you would like to turn up to 
in the future. And given that we perceive and achieve according to our expectations, we can then begin to expect new things to happen. And as a result of the way in which the normal mind works, what you expect will happen, just as surely as night follows day. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.